Welcome to the Together for Good podcast brought to you by Bethany Lutheran Church in Cherry Hills Village, Colorado. Our episode today is a recording of the sermon from last night. Last night was one of our midweek Lenten services that we've been offering on Wednesday nights. This is a sermon that I preached, and it's based on a really weird passage from Numbers chapter 21, verses 4 through 9. You might want to read that passage first. I do give you a pretty uh, good breakdown of exactly what happens during the sermon. Uh, But you might just want to check your Bibles and make sure that that story is actually in there, because it's really ridiculous. Um, But here's my sermon from last night. I hope you enjoy it. I hope it can bring some hope to your life uh, and this knowledge that God is with us even at really difficult moments. In fact, oftentimes we, we come to notice in retrospect that God shows up at those moments when we need someone most. Uh, so here it is, a sermon from March 17th. This is an essential part of our observance of Lent. We confess the ways that we have strayed from God, and we ask for God to gather us back into the very presence of God. And so I I invite you to join with me in this practice together tonight. God hears us when we cry and draws us close in Jesus Christ. Let us return to the one who is full of compassion. I invite you to take a moment of silent reflection. Fountain of living water, Pour out your mercy over us. Our sin is heavy, and we long to be free. Rebuild what we have ruined, and mend what we have torn. Wash us in your cleansing flood. Make us alive in the Spirit to follow in the way of Jesus. As healers and restorers of the world you so love. Amen. Beloved, God's word never fails. The promise rests on grace. By the saving love of Jesus Christ, the wisdom and power of God, your sins are forgiven. And God remembers them no more. Journey in the way of Jesus. Amen. I'm forgiven. 
Let us pray. O God, rich in mercy, by the humiliation of your Son, you lifted up this fallen world and rescued us from the hopelessness of death. Lead us into your light, that all our deeds may reflect your love through Jesus Christ, our Savior and Lord, who lives and reigns with you and the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. A Blessing for Difficult Times by John O'Donohue. May you know tender shelter and healing blessing when you are called to stand in the place of pain. May the places of darkness within you be surprised by light. May you be granted the wisdom to avoid false resistance, and when suffering knocks on the door of your life, may you be able to glimpse its hidden gift. May you be able to see the fruits of suffering. May memory bless and shelter you with the hard-earned light of past turmoil to remind you that you have survived before. And th though the darkness is now deep, you will soon see approaching light. May this give you confidence and trust. May a window of light always surprise you. May the grace of transfiguration heal your wounds. A reading from Numbers, chapter 21, we begin at verse 4. From Mount Hor, the Israelites set out by the way to the Red Sea to go around the land of Edom, but the Lord became, in, but the people, I'm sorry, the people became impatient on the way. The people spoke out against God and against Moses. Why have you brought us up out of Egypt to die in the wilderness? For there is no food and water, and we detest this miserable food. Then the Lord sent poisonous serpents among the people, and they bit the people so that many Israelites died. The people came to Moses and said, We have sinned by speaking against the Lord and against you. Pray to the Lord to take away the serpents from us. So Moses prayed for the people, and the Lord said to Moses, Make a poisonous serpent and set it on a pole, and everyone who is bitten shall look at it and live. So Moses made a serpent of bronze and put it up on a pole, and whenever a serpent bit someone, that person would look at the serpent of bronze and live. When I was in high school, I had the great experience of going through what they call a difficult breakup. That's the, the medical term. And as I think back on that moment now, it's easy to just brush it off as high school romance and something that we should just move past and get over with. But I think the truth that we have to begin by saying is that whenever a relationship ends, it's always painful. And for me, at that point in my life, this was the biggest moment, the, the hardest thing I've ever had to live through. And it really devastated me. And what's also interesting about breakups like that and when relationships end is the way that you don't realize if you're emotionally equipped enough for that moment. And certainly at that point in my young life, I was not emotionally equipped to deal with the complications of having a relationship end. 
But there was something that I did have going for me. I had a job at that point in my life. It was the summer months, and I didn't have school to distract me, those daily rhythms to distract me from my distress and pain, but I did have a job at the Glenville Mini Sportplex, the happiest place on earth. I had gotten that job, truth be told, so I could have some extra spending money to take my girlfriend on dates to friendlies and the like. Unfortunately, I no longer had the need for the cash like that, but I was so grateful to have a distraction at least, so that I wasn't just alone with my thoughts all day long. And uh, the Glenville Mini Sportplex, what you need to know about this wonderful place is that it was a, a mini golf course. They also had a go-kart track and batting cages and a driving range. It was a great place. It's why I wanted to work at such a wonderful institution. But I didn't really know anyone else there. I had simply applied because it was a place that I enjoyed going to on my own time, so I thought, hey, might be a nice place to work. <laughs> That's kind of how I became a pastor, too. Hey, I like going to church. Might be a nice place to work. But when I got there, I didn't really have any friends. There were other individuals my age who worked there, but no one that I knew well. Many of the other employees also went to my high school, but again, I had no previous connection. But one day, shortly after my bad breakup, I was working at the Glenville Mini Sportplex in the go-kart track. What you need to know about the go-kart track is that you have a lot of time to just do nothing. You send the, start the cars and you send them out on their way, opening the gate, then you wait for five minutes, and you open the gate and let the cars back into the garage. And then the rest of the time, you're just down there at the go-kart track waiting for more customers to come. Sometimes there's a steady flow, but most of the time there were five, 10, 30 minutes in between riders. So I was down there at the go-kart track working with this guy, Adam, who did go to my high school, who I knew of, but who I definitely had never had a conversation with before. And so the two of us started talking and Adam is a very perceptive individual, and he noticed that I was going through something. He picked up on my emotional distress, and over the course of a day at the go-kart track, eventually my whole story of my bad breakup came out. And then, after work was over, Adam said, hey, why don't you come back to my house and we can play ping pong? And so we did. And then the next day, Adam said, hey, after work, why don't we go, why don't we go watch a movie or something? Over the next several days and weeks, Adam really took me under his wing to make sure that I was taken care of. He realized that I was going through a very difficult moment at that young point in my life, and he took it upon himself to make sure that I made it through okay. I'm telling you this strange story from my high school years because it illustrates a truth that I'm guessing you've seen in your life as well. It was at this most difficult moment, at that point in my young life, that God sent this new friend into my life. Adam became my very best friend. We spent so much time together over those remaining years of high school, and we still keep in touch today. But what's amazing as I look back at how God worked in that moment is that I was really hurting, and then at that exact moment is when this new friendship came into my life to bring real healing to my difficulty. This all, believe it or not, connects with that strange reading that Pastor Gary shared with us from the book of Numbers. Most of you probably aren't up at night reading through the book of Numbers. Some of you are probably wondering why that was the reading for this Wednesday Lenten worship service. 
First and foremost, you should know that we don't really pick the readings for Wednesday nights. This is part of the lectionary cycle, and that was the assigned reading for this time of year. But I think it's a really great story because it portrays some of these powerful truths, like my story about a high school breakup and God sending a friend when I needed it most. Just to review what happens in this strange story from Numbers, The Israelites have been freed from slavery in Egypt, and now they're wandering around in the wilderness, and they get cranky. Yeah, you've probably been on a hike before, and you get to that point when everyone's kind of just over this whole exertion you're going through. People have blisters, they're tired, and they're hungry. That's kind of where the Israelites are at. Only multiply it by several months, years, weeks. And so the Israelites say, hey, Moses, we should just be back in Egypt. Why are we out here? And I hope you caught this point too, because here's where you know that the Israelites really aren't thinking quite straight. They say to Moses, they say, we're hungry and we have no food and no water and we detest this miserable food. Well, which is it, Israelites? Are you hungry and there's no food or do you just not like the food that God has already given you? And if you're thinking, Nate, you've said that to your children before, you're absolutely right. Most dinner conversations at the Pricinger household include a similar theme and refrain. But back to the point, the Israelites are in a difficult spot, in the wilderness, not happy and hungry, and so they complain about it. Eventually, word gets back to God, and so God sends snakes to punish them. Now, these snakes, these snakes, we're told, bite the heels of the Israelites, and many of them die. Not exactly a good situation, but it does cause the Israelites to reconsider what they've said. Okay, God, we understand. Um, we take it back. Moses, tell God uh, that we're, we're going to be okay. We're going to be good now. And so God talks, or Moses talks to God, and you would think that the next logical thing to happen would be for God to just take the snakes away. After all, God magically sent them into the wilderness in the first place. Wouldn't it be just as easy for God to snap his fingers and the snakes to disappear? But that's not what God does. That's not at all what God does. God creates this new liturgical rite, this new process for bringing healing to people who are hurting. God says to Moses, take a snake, set it on a pole, and then if anyone's bitten, lift up the pole with the snake on it, have them look at it, and then they will be healed. God does this because of God's infinite wisdom in terms of what the Israelites really need at that time. Yeah, God could have just taken the snakes away, just taken the pain and the threat away, but I'm guessing that in three months' time, the Israelites would have been complaining in the wilderness again. God knows that there is real power in having the Israelites remember this entire situation. If they're bitten, then they will look at the pole with the snake on it. They'll recall this entire back and forth. They'll find real healing, and they'll continue on their way. In our life and walk of faith, difficult things still happen all the time. Just because we're people of faith, does not mean that we get a free pass to privilege. It doesn't mean that everything's just going to magically work out for us in the end. I'm sure that you know that all too well. Again and again, we're still faced with sorrow and tragedy and pain and struggle. And it would be really nice if God could just magically make it all disappear for us. 
But I wonder if what God does do is even better. God provides real healing, often to the places that hurt the most. In high school, when I was facing my first existential emotional crisis of my young life, God sent a real true friend into my midst. When the Israelites were complaining about the snakes in the wilderness, God provided this moment for them to remember their entire relationship and history with God. And God brought real healing to their pain. It can be hard to encounter the difficulties of life. It can be difficult to have to face the pain, but we're constantly reminded that we never do it alone. I'm guessing you have a story like mine from high school, or or maybe one more recent, where you were in a really difficult spot, and somehow, someway, God showed up. What I've learned about these situations and these rhythms of life is that it's often hard to see in the moment, but oftentimes years later in retrospect, we come to recognize how God was working when we were at our lowest. Maybe your church was there for you when you were going through a really difficult time. Maybe a friend called at exactly the right moment to lift you out of your gloom and sorrow. Maybe you got good news at that exact moment when it seemed like all was hopeless. These are the ways that God works. God sends real healing and real hope at the moments where it hurts the most. Moses had that snake, and he put it on a cross, or on a pole, and lifted it up. And did you know, go down to camera five here, that that's exactly where our medical symbol comes from. Numbers, chapter 21. A snake on a pole lifted up. And when Moses did this, the Israelites experienced real healing. But what we need to remember is that Jesus was lifted up on a cross. And as Jesus was lifted up on a cross, God brought real healing to our sin and our pain and even death itself. Hope was forever broadcast eternal for each and every one of us. There is a promise beyond pain. There is victory beyond death because Jesus was lifted up on a cross. We talk an awful lot about the ways that Jesus suffered for us, but I think we also need to remember that Jesus continues to suffer with us. And in the same way, we have compassion for one another. We are called to share in one another's burdens, to bring healing to one another's sorrow. That's what it means to be the body of Christ, the church of Jesus. We are called to be God's hands and feet at work in the world, bringing real healing to the places where it hurts the most. That's our call. That's our task. And the beautiful truth is that we know God's presence by these moments, by these acts of charity and love. We see and glimpse the presence of God among us. I know that God was working in my life way back at the Glenville Mini Sportplex in high school because of the way that a friend came in and showed real compassion for my situation. I'm sure you've done it too for other friends. You've been there. You've brought healing to their sorrow and their struggle. In a moment here, 
we're going to celebrate the ways that Bethany Lutheran Church has lived as the body of Christ. I put together this slideshow with the help of our AV team, Laura Romig in particular, of images of Bethany at work in the world. And we're going to be singing this song, Ube Caritas et Amor Deus Ibi Et, which is butchered Latin <laughs> for the term, where true charity and love reside, God is there. It's a reminder that when we act like the body of Christ, God is truly present. And so we'll sing those words and we'll watch these pictures of our church, but really what we're seeing is the presence of God at work in the world. We're seeing the ways that God continues through you and through me, through our actions and charity. God continues to bring real healing to this world and the places where it hurts the most. Amen. God, we ask that you continue to bless us on this Lenten journey. We ask that as Jesus made this journey toward Jerusalem that was filled with anguish, challenges. And so even on this Lenten journey, when we invoke these Lenten practices and they bring some challenge and difficulty to us, we know that you are still there with us and we count what we trust on your presence. We ask, oh God, especially in this time that you would be present with those who, who feel isolated in these days. And as we look forward to the, to the days ahead when we can be gathered together again, that, that we remember those for whom this time of grief will continue for just a bit. And we ask that we would be able to reach out with, with acts of compassion for them. And we pray, oh God, that you would allow the health of, of a people, of a nation, of a world to continue to flow over us, that we'll be able to once again enjoy all of the blessings that you have in store. And oh God, continue to fill us with compassion as we will see those acts of love and charity. We know that these are compassions that flow from our, our very soul, our heart because you have placed them there that we might be your people in the world. Hear our prayers, Lord God. Dwell with us and compel us to continue to act with charity and love so that our world might be healed. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.
May God continue to bless you and keep you on your Lenten journey.